Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast. I am your host, Brand Awareness Manager for Lead Forensics, Joe Ducaro. And joining me today is the co-founder of Dream Data, the leading B2B revenue attribution platform, Stefan Hedebrandt. Stefan, how are you today? Are you all right? I'm doing good, Joe. And uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me for this, uh, this short talk. Absolutely. No, it's, it's my pleasure. So uh, Stefan is a, a notorious growth hacker and with his successful track record of scaling businesses and building teams at Upwork and Airtame, he truly knows the pain points of rapidly scaling marketing and growth firsthand. So Stefan, how did Dream Data come about then? How did you get started with it? Um, so, you know, in some ways it came out of uh, pure pain, both for me and my my, my co-founders. We were both working in the, we worked in two different uh, B2B companies, but both of us really like focused on making sure that the activities we carry out uh, to some degree connected to producing more sales pipeline and producing more money for the B2B companies we were working at. And once you start like drilling into that rapid hole, uh, you realize that uh, it can be quite complex to figure out when you spend a dollar or a euro on, on marketing what does become of that later on in the process? And, you know, the typical B2B journey is more than six months and has a lot of visits to your website and there's a lot of people uh, involved in the deal. So that ad's been kind of um, without the right tools, often gets lost. And that, uh, you know, that makes us as, as marketers looks like we're, you know, wasting money where, Hopefully, in fact, we're actually helping build, building the brand awareness. We're building sales pipeline and hopefully also producing some deals that your company win. So that is kind of the challenge we set out to solve um, with Dream Data. Um, some call it uh, attribution. But in general, what we're interested in is just taking anything that touches your account and map it into like uh, customer journeys of every account. And then you can use that to kind of look for things that are that is possible to replicate or things that you should stop doing. So possible to replicate, meaning that these ad campaigns are always present when you win deals or you have this big marketing effort going on over here that has absolutely no impact on producing sales pipeline or deals that you win. So you probably want to stop that cost and reinvest it uh, somewhere else. And uh, so, so then, for the for the uninitiated, what exactly is growth hacking? Or oh, growth hacking? Um, <laughs> I think it's one of those words that has been so diluted that it barely means anything nowadays. But I think originally it was uh, actually quite a, a good and structured method uh, where you, like, if you followed it, you you would uh, at least increase your likelihood of being successful working for. Uh, in, in positions where you need to grow your company. And the methodology was, you know, like simply put, uh, be structured about your work, write down every idea you have so you don't have to jump on it straight away, but score it on different kind of uh, metrics, like how easy it is to do, how big an impact do you think it will have, what does your gut feeling tell you, etc. And then you'll come up with a scorecard of all your ideas. Once you have that scorecard, you would go out uh, and um, basically try to execute these ideas and see kind of how they worked. Like, did we see a good return or a bad return? Uh, are we happy about what we see? Which ideas should we try to do more of in the future? So 
for me at least, it means running this structured process to all your ideas, scoring them, testing them out, go back, reflect as a group, and then trying trying more stuff out as well. And how important to growth uh, in terms of sort of a marketing sense, I suppose. How important is it to have a presence on a presence on social media oh. for that growth to then expand and take place? Uh, I think it depends very much on who you're trying to target as a company. Uh, so we at Dream that we target very much uh, software as a service companies, and we particularly target marketers in these companies. And those guys, including myself, spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So for us, LinkedIn is a very important channel. But, you know, you could easily be talking more of these like brick and mortar businesses that don't spend all their time on social media or perhaps isn't on social media at all. And, you know, then you would be wasting your time. So coming back to that framework, all your ideas should be centered around how does this company that we're trying to attract actually look like? And how do we make sure we actually get our company in front of those uh, people? And speaking of LinkedIn, I've, I've spotted it was only early this afternoon that I saw that uh, Dream Data have officially joined LinkedIn's marketing partner program. So huge congratulations yep. on that. So what, <laughs> what did that journey look like then getting to that, that point with the company? Um, so it's been uh, it's been run by my colleagues, but essentially uh, LinkedIn, is, LinkedIn is a fantastic uh, advertising platform for, for B2B companies because you're able to target very, very specifically, specifically on accounts that you want to attract. The challenge that LinkedIn, though, faces sometimes is that they're not, not able to peek inside the CRM systems of their customers because, you know, they use Salesforce, HubSpot, you know, Microsoft Dynamics, etc. And LinkedIn has this challenge that they know that they're providing value because they're getting the right message in front of the right people. Perhaps they're even converting links on the, uh, sorry, leads on LinkedIn for the customers. And what we then do for them is that we take all this awareness that is created on LinkedIn and then look at whether that produces sales pipeline or or not, or, or one deals for our customers. And hopefully we can start to help the LinkedIn customers seeing, you know, which ad is the good ad, which ad is the bad ad, do more of what works and do less of, uh, of what doesn't work. So how quickly could you... Just as, a, as an example, and just as a, you know, a, a, if a company wanted to begin implementing sort of these, you know, growth hacking techniques, how quickly can they start to do that? And what are the action, actionable things that they can start to do to ensure that that's happening? Yeah, I think there's two buckets here. Uh, there, one is that, you know, B2B customer journeys are quite long. We put out some benchmarks before the summer that said the average journey is actually from first touch to a deal being won is 192 days. So from your activity until you win accounts, it's going to be a long time. But from, you know, implementing this kind of uh, growth hacking methodology is something you can almost do from from day to day, uh, obviously, you need to find out who should be part of this project, but then it's kind of facilitating, you know, the ideation and writing down all the ideas that people have, scoring them and then going out and carrying them out. Then I guess it depends on how you measure success, because if it's if it's just the execution of the idea, then you're basically done at that point. 
but maybe it's about let's say how many likes or how many demo calls or how many new customers etc that you get out of your activities and i think there you'd, you'd have to discuss what is a meaningful uh, outcome and i think for most parts a meaningful outcome is something that correlates with your company making more money so Ideally, it's a signed contract, but that takes a long time. Maybe then it's a, a demo call that gets booked on your website. Or if it's at a conference, you're trying something out. How many new emails or LinkedIn connections do we build and, and, and so forth? So I want to get down to sort of into you as a person then, Stefan. So yep. um, <laughs> what, what, what do you love about your industry? And is there anything you would change about it? Hmm. I think in general for my job as a, you know, co-founding a company, uh, I really love the creative process of, you know, trying to build something out of nothing. Like before we started, there was nothing. And then like now we have a fairly good company and the technology is super great. So like I love the, the challenge of trying to like, you know, what is, I think you say, a, a building a cathedral rather than, you know, just moving bricks and like every day we hopefully we get a little bit better in that process i really like um i think what i probably don't like about some mark, uh, marketing uh, niches is that they keep inventing new words and acronyms and stuff like that that just you know all over the place but like at the end of the day we need to attract the right kind of demand for our companies and that demand needs to be translated into sales pipeline and deals that are one and then you can come up with all the acronyms in the world but that is our time <laughs> spend some money in an effective manner that drives a relevant demand and then hopefully that becomes sales pipeline and, and deals that you win I, I hate to sort of linger on a negative uh, quite for so long Stefan but I've got to <laughs> ask you now is, is there a particular sort of jargon word acronym that, that pops up that's particularly offending you right now <laughs> No, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to mention anything particularly, but yeah, have a browse <laughs> around uh, LinkedIn and you'll see new terms and concepts and acronym posted every single week. And I think people should just chill down a little bit and just, you know, like I'm a big defender of just marketing qualified lead because it describes what it is. It's something that marketing attracted and it actually represents a certain amount of quality for your company. <laughs> Let's not change it around to something else. It's a marketing qualified lead. <laughs> so, uh, so then what really motivates you then at the start of your day, start of your week, what is it that gets Stefan out of bed and goes, right, let's do this today. What motivates you? Oh, that's a really good question, Joe. Um, first of all, I think like having good colleagues around, like people I like and building stuff together with them is like a really big motivation. Um, I'm always, uh, I've been doing sports my whole life. So a little bit of competition also <laughs> gets me going. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, the, the challenge of doing something that, you know, building something where there wasn't anything in the beginning and actually making it work in that sense so the creative challenge of uh, establishing something is really what i like you know i'm not the guy who loves repeating the same task 1000 times i would rather like solve a new problem <laughs> mm. every time you know which is a strength and a weakness uh, uh in both senses uh, perhaps this links into this then so um how how do you 
decompress from from your work? How do you switch off at the end of the day, at the end of the week? What is it that are there any activities you engage in? Is there any particular you know rituals you have at the end of the day? What what is it that relaxes you? It's actually really something I'm really mindful about, Joe, because I, I I've been in periods where you know you dream about work and it's the last thing you think about when you wake up and uh, or when you go to bed and it's the first thing you think about in the morning as well. And I think for me that's an unhealthy lifestyle and I think it, my life gets a little bit too poor when it's when it's like that. So for me, for example, I've deleted uh, any. I have two social media apps on my phone nowadays. One is my messenger, which is just comms with friends. And then I have Twitter. I've deleted anything, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, etc. Because like I noticed myself when I had the LinkedIn app on my phone, I was just, you know, you're in a constant discussion with a thousand other people that as you scroll through and then your brain starts going and going and going, oh, I should go in and comment it. I can comment this. So I... I have my social media when I open up my computer and I'm open for it. Uh, and when, you know, when I'm off work and with my kids and girlfriend, then I'm, I'm not looking at these business related things. And then I, um, you know, I don't work uh, 16 hours a day. I try, I, I love doing eight hours and then stopping working. And then, then on the best days, I really like to get some, you know, exercise as well you know running or gym or football or something like that because it's when you do these things your brain kind of is relieved of like the normal tension that it lives within and uh, hopefully brings back uh, fresh energy and uh, new ways to solve problems so it's yeah i think overall it's something i'm really mindful about because you know it is a marathon and not a sprint we are we're in here and uh, we need to last a long time I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And it, what you were saying about um, removing the socials from your phone and that sort of thing, I've done something similar myself. Yeah. But it, it reminded me of there was a, a fantastic piece of marketing I saw on a billboard. It was for, a, I can't remember which one, but it was for a watch company. Yeah. And like a traditional, an analog watch, not a, a smartwatch or anything. Yeah. And it just said, check the time without seeing you've got thousands of unread <laughs> emails. I was like, that's so perfect yeah so right completely i think i've seen that as well joe i can't remember which brand it was but it really it does uh it does make sense yeah it really really hit home and uh and i think the other thing that you mentioned again because you mentioned like you you really enjoy the creative process i think it's um Stephen Bartlett puts very frequently on his socials that his sort of best creative ideas, they don't come when he's sat staring at a computer, figuring no. something out. It comes when he's in the shower, when he's going for a run, like you say, doing all those sorts of things. So yeah. again, yeah, I think you're right. It is, it's vitally important to, when, to have uh, that separation. Particularly for when you need to come up with like something creativity or like, you know, brand or communication or something like that. I cannot do it if my brain's too tense. I have just been like super focused. I need to kind of be relaxed and like, like it's almost like if the brain is a muscle, then it needs to be relaxed and not like super tight because otherwise the, the components doesn't really <laughs> fall into the right the bucket and you, you get too narrow minded and you can't mm. think. So you mentioned uh, spending time with uh, your girlfriend, your kids, that sort of thing. What is it? What activities is it that you're doing with them on the weekend? Do you <laughs> just pure survival? I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from when I get off work, it's uh, pick up kids or like run home and help make dinner, and then you know, until they go to sleep, it's just uh, full speed ahead. And then when the clock is eight, it's just kind of 
chilling out on the couch or going for a run uh, or something like that. I think everybody with small kids uh, would uh, be able to resemble something like this. So is it fair to say then you're not hugely into the sort of the hustle culture that we see a lot of on LinkedIn then? You you stay clear uh, of that, do you? Yeah, I, I've never, it ne- I think I've achieved pretty good things in my career, but I have never worked 12 hours every day. Uh, or stuff like that or nighttime I you know I burn out and I really try to think about how do I perform best and how do I make sure that I work uh, long term and in a marathon uh, perspective so huge respect to those who can do it but I uh, it's not for me and I think also think about if you die tomorrow is this the way you wished you spent your life and um for me, life needs to be a little bit more rich than working uh, 24-7. Stefan, just to sort of wrap things up a bit yeah. here, what's, the, what's one top tip that you'd like people to take away from this chat? And that can be about you know, the wellness, the mindfulness that we discussed. It can be about growth hacking, be about absolutely anything you want. What's the one takeaway that you'd like people to remember? Ha. I'll go Today I'll go for uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's a fantastic point to end on. Stefan, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for this uh, for this little podcast. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you. Thanks very much.